Hello, and welcome back to the Wise Athletes Podcast with Joe Lavelle and Dr. Glenn Winkle. On today's episode number 43, we are joined once again by a legendary cycling coach, Hunter Allen, founder of the Peak Coaching Group. As you'll recall from episode 40, Hunter is the co-author of the book Training and Racing with a Power Meter with Dr. Andy Coggin. He also co-wrote Cutting Edge Cycling with Dr. Stephen Chung and was the co-developer of Training Peak's WKO software. His new book, Triathlon Training with Power with Dr. Chris Myers, has just been released. What Hunter is less well known for is his work in bringing yoga to cyclists and triathletes with his Yoga for Cyclists video, which is designed to be a guided yoga session performed after riding to, and I quote, loosen tight muscles, revive your back, and create more suppleness to enhance recovery, end quote. When Hunter was a professional cyclist, he was looking for ways to help him recover and become more supple without adding to his exercise load. He found yoga, and over the years, Hunter zeroed in on a set of yoga poses and a pace of movement through those poses that works best to help him and other cyclists recover faster and become more resilient. So listen in as Hunter walks us through the basics of how he found yoga, how yoga helps the cyclist, how to get started using yoga, and what types of yoga practices to avoid so you can get faster on your bike. All right, let's talk to Hunter. All right, guys. Well, welcome back. We're here for part two of our discussion with Hunter. And today we're going to talk about yoga, which, as I've just been saying to these guys here, that was kind of how Hunter's name came up, even though I think that Hunter, as the world famous inventor of training with power, uh, is known in the world for something other than yoga. Hunter's name came up by Glenn who knows Hunter, well, Glenn knows Hunter well for a lot of reasons, but he has a copy of a DVD called what was it, Glenn? Yoga for Cyclists, of course. Yoga Good for stuff. Cyclists. And the, and the discussion that Glenn and I were having was, Gosh, I bet that there is something to this yoga thing that would be good for cyclists. And why don't we look into that and share that with our audience? And by the way, I'm kind of curious myself. I'm always looking for new tools to use myself to deal with all of my many problems that I've accumulated over the years. So Hunter, welcome back. All right. Glad to be here, guys. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Lynn. It's an honor again to be here. and Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Glenn, do you want to uh, take us into uh, your thoughts on what you think our audience is interested in knowing from Hunter about yoga for cyclists? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, as cyclists, like I said, I've told Hunter before, I rarely stretch back in the day. And um, I've noticed that as I get older, it becomes much more important to stretch. And I did take a yoga class along the day, somewhere along the way there. But I remember I picked up this DVD and I don't even know where I got it from. I'm not sure where I picked it up at. It might have been one of the coaching sessions at USA Cycling, but, and of course, you know what happens when you buy a DVD or he just kind of sits on it. But when I finally did get to watch the thing, I was like, well, this is the whole program. And I was really impressed because I didn't know that you did yoga. And I didn't know that you were one of the very first to actually bring yoga into cycling. So not only these power meters, but the whole idea. And this program you put together is awesome. It really is. It's one of the best ones I've seen, especially for cyclists. So right. if you could help us to understand, how did you come to bring yoga into cycling? Yeah, so great. Yeah, thanks, Glenn. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, the, the thing about it is, is um, when you start to, you know, understand the idea of, of muscles and how bound up we become as athletes and cyclists, um, specifically cyclists, because 
we're in a really funky position, right? I mean, there's no other place yeah. in the world <laughs> where you're bent over, you kind of have your arms out in front of you, you don't extend your legs ever, you know, you crane your neck back like this. You know, we're in this crazy position that allows yeah. us to go fast on a bicycle and it's a weird place. And so because of thousands of hours of, of in that of in that position, we develop muscles very specific to that. And, you know, and, and so I, it's funny, I, I joke a lot of times um, when I do presentations, I say, you know, I can always, especially talking about yoga and, and, and doing things like this, I say, you know, give me a, a picture of 40 people, put 20 cyclists interspersed in that 40 people, and I can pick out the 20 cyclists. And you know why? Because cyclists never straighten their legs. We all stand with our knees slightly bent. Because it hurts, right? You never straighten your legs. Oh, that hurts. Oh, what am I doing? My legs are straight. I think my legs are straight. No, they're not straight. Straighten your legs. Ow. Right? We're not used to it because our hamstrings are tight. We never lengthen our legs. We never extend through our heels. All these things. So for, for, for me, Hip I Hip flexors, yeah. Right. I mean, just everything, everything. So I came to it really from a place of number one, I wanted to create suppleness in those muscles. So I wanted to improve, right? I wanted to be a better cyclist, right? I mean, this is always great. Mm -hmm. You want to always do better. So how can I become a better cyclist? Um, so I wanted to create more suppleness in my legs. Two, I wanted to prevent from muscle cramps. I'm susceptible to muscle cramps personally. I know lots of cyclists are. Some people are not. Put me in a race that's over 100 miles in the summer. I'm going to get cramps. It doesn't matter how much electrolytes I take in, how much water I take in, how long I sit in the pack. I'm going to get cramps. Um, you know, and so how I, so I just thought out after that, I was like, you know, how can I do this? What can I do to create more relaxation in those muscles so that one, I would be able to ride faster, ride with less effort. And then the third reason too was, you know, I just didn't want to become that hunched over old man. You know, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be that dude. You know, I don't want to be that old guy who's 75 or 80 and he's hunched over and can barely move because gravity is pushed down on him all of his life, you know? And yeah. so yoga helps us to open our chest, right? Because we're constantly rounding our, our upper body as a cyclist. We need to open our chest. We need to get more in alignment with gravity so that you're straight up and down and let gravity go through you. Sure. And so that was really, you know, some of the, the, the longevity piece of it is I just don't want to be that old dude, you know? So there's two things then you're saying that there was not that you wanted, it was going to help you on the bike, but it was also going to help you off the bike to not look like a guy who was on the bike all the time, which I guess is maybe the same thing as the person who sits in a chair or looking at a computer screen all the time, it, you know, and those things add together. And then all that compounds as we get older and maybe our, uh, you know, our discs aren't working yep. as well. And we, but was this something that you decided you would check into? I mean, obviously, at least the performance on the bike was something that you wanted. Right. You know, having a tendency toward cramping would be something you wanted solutions to the first day that it happened. But when you were looking at yoga as a solution, was that when you were 
young as a pro still, or was this when you had retired and you were getting older? What was the deal? No, no, it was still when I was a pro. Um, and, and, and I wanted to, you know, I didn't, I wanted to do it from a place of, um, kind of helping to undo some of all of that tension that I created as a, as a, as riding a bike five hours a day or three hours there, two hours there, whatever, so that I could be more, um, again, more upright. I could have muscles that were more supple and not just super chiseled. You know, I mean, that's, that looked cool and all when you're all chiseled and ripped. And I think we all, you know, you ride your bike, bicycle 10,000 hours plus, if you're going to be like that. But you can also have that suppleness, you know, like a like a cat necessarily. So yeah, and and then that was where um, I, I started down that path and said, you know, I went to a lot of different yoga classes because I wanted to see what was, you know, there's like a gajillion different styles, <laughs> and and so I went to all of them from hot yoga to uh, Ashtanga yoga to you know, very slow to normal kind of just a flowing class, which they call vinyasa. Um, so there's lots of different ways to do this. And what I realized early on was I didn't want to go to yoga class and take class that was also a workout because I'm getting my workout on my bike, right? That's, that's my workout, right? That's my, that's my yang, right? I wanted the yin of, yoga to be more of a recovery tool to be more of a relaxation place to again to create that suppleness to to bring awareness to my breathing so that i could move in harmony with my breath and and that's where i then kind of gravitated toward a much slower practice and going to classes that were that were kind of easier from that perspective and not creating a sweat that makes sense yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you choose of all the modalities that are out there for stretching and flexibility stuff? What brought you to yoga? Um, you know, I, I think the fact that um, it was a um, it was a class that I could take um, initially, and somebody was instructing me, and then there was a relative system, you know, that 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 you went through. There was a specific structure to the class. You know, these were the, the poses, the stretches that you did to warm up. These were the ones that we started to work on a little deeper. And these were the ones that we did more breathing in. And that really appealed to me. I mean, you know, we, we talked about in our last podcast, you know, I, I, I love this step-by-step method, right? I mean, it's kind of my, it's like, give me the yeah. step-by-step. What's that <laughs> one step do, you know? And <laughs> Right, right. And and yoga kind of has that same thing, you know? It really does. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that if the idea is to do recovery, then, you know, you don't want it to be this mental exercise either that it's, you know, you're trying to figure out what to do and, and that sort of thing. It's just, it just flows. You just had a routine mm-hmm. that either you were following somebody doing or maybe over time you settled in on a set of, 20 things you did that went in a, the right order. And it just was this flowing thing that helped you to mm-hmm. not just stretch, but maybe relax. And maybe, maybe you could tell us about all the different benefits you think you get from it. Sure. Absolutely. So I think that number one, it is a really great post ride recovery tool. Most of us, you know, we have very limited times 
and okay, gosh, if I get to ride two hours a day, then I'm going to ride exactly two hours and I'm going to be back and, you know, back wherever, take a shower quick and, and blah, blah, blah. So we don't make time necessarily to, to, to sit down and stretch. So it's ideally if, if you could if you could do some of these poses and stretching right after your workout, that'd be ideal. But in a lot of places that doesn't happen. And, and one of the places that it's really good is in the evening before you go to bed, if you're sitting around, hanging out, you know, on the on the watching TV, whatever, those are great places. So for for that part of it, recovery is a huge piece. Um, number two, the other benefits are that it makes you aware of areas of your body that may need some work, right? And, and a lot of times we get sucked into just kind of driving through life and, and pushing ourselves through life and, and not necessarily taking the time that we need to to say, you know what, gosh, that outside of my knee and my left knee is just kind of tweaked a little bit. I need to do something here and stop. It's fine if I don't do anything the next day I'm okay, but it's just not right. And so it brings awareness to those areas and then allows you to start to explore them and see if you can start to, you know, for lack of a better word, heal them, you know, work with that area, work with the breath in moving that. And that the third, and that kind of brings the third piece of it is, is the, the breath awareness. You know, I think that most endurance athletes, we have an incredible breath awareness just from the, the, the pure nature of it, right? Our respiration rate is very high. Our, our ventilation threshold is very high. We're used to being, you know, out of breath and that's okay. Yeah. But at the same time, we don't move in harmony with our inhales and exhales, because we're constantly, our legs are pedaling, you know, and so we can't breathe that fast necessarily. When you get in harmony with, in a rhythm, and, and you know, and both of you guys know this, you know, climbing up a mountain, you're in that rhythm. It's, it's all of a sudden, it's like, it's the breath, you know, you're standing out of the saddle. It's the breathing, the connection between the body and the mind and the breath. That's really powerful. And so I, I yoga brings that back to cycling so becoming aware of breath how you move and how long your inhales are how long your exhales are um that that, that's a pretty pretty subtle yet very positive thing for for you as a cyclist and endurance athlete that makes really good sense you're talking about the breathing and i have come to be aware of breathing with i guess i call it breath work and it works both for activating you like if you're trying to get adrenaline going that sort of thing uh maybe glenn could do it on those at the beginning of those races where he's just so bored that he can't even get up for the race (laughs) which he's complained about in the past um you know and then there's the calming you know where where the exhale is longer than the inhale and you're sort of activating your parasympathetic that's probably what you're talking about and so if you're aware of that through these yoga practices or, or whatever, then you can use that to your benefit or at least not fail to recognize that you're de- injuring yourself. Like if you're really shallow breathing, chest breathing, when you're in the middle of a race, mm-hmm. you're, you're wrecking yourself and you don't even know it. You're not getting good oxygen and you're wearing your muscles out. I mean, so I guess that's what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Hunter, there's a, there's a thousand poses, not a thousand, about 880 80 some poses. Now, there's 908. 908. There's 908. Oh, there's 908. Oh, God. I have, I have a poster on my wall of the guy doing all 908 poses. <laughs> so anyway, go ahead. Oh, my goodness. That's insane. Now, how did you come to choose the ones that you chose in the DVD?
I that analogy is like, well, what happens if I round my shoulders, I kind of clench in my core, right? Now I've taken my lungs, I've restricted the lungs in a cardboard box, and I can't even breathe in to expand the lungs, expand that balloon to the to the to the amount that they can possibly expand. Sure. So if you open your chest, right? If my chest is open, my spine is long, my rib cage is, is, is open. Now I've got 30% more area that I can expand into. Right. Um, and so just becoming aware of like, wow, how do I ride a bicycle instead of rounding my back? How do I ride a bicycle with a flat back, right? How do I keep my back long and roll my pelvis forward. So, um, you know, think about how you're sitting right now on the chair, right? We sit on our sit bones, right? I'm, I'm, I got to get my sit bones out here. I'm sitting on my sit bones, right? Yeah. And you feel like I'm sitting on my sit bones here. My spine is long. My, the top of your head is back here, the crown. This is not the top of your head. The crown, the front of your head is not the top. The back here is the crown. It's as if a thread pulls you to the sky from back here, like you're a marionette puppet here, okay? Okay. You're typing away, you know, you're relaxing your shoulders, you're typing away, right? Now, if you say, okay, well, I'm going to sit on my bicycle like that, then what do you do is you round your upper body and you bend over and you become the old hunched over old man. You're reached out trying to reach the handlebar. <laughs> that crunches your chest in, that closes your chest, you can't breathe. What you want to do is remember at the hips, there's a pivot. And so now it's like, and I'm going to scoot back here in the, in the video so you can see me. So for everybody who's watching the video, you can see me. And you, you, can, you can see this right here. If I'm straight here like this and I round my back and reach out, this is crunching all this area in. But what we want to do is we want to yeah. pivot here and lengthen so that now my sit bones are going back and down. Okay, so my sit bones are going back and down. And since nobody could actually see that, I'll just say that uh, uh, <laughs> what Hunter was doing was not bending his spine, but he was rotating from the hip so that his <laughs> spine was straight, and that allowed him to have maximum capacity within his lungs. But I, And I think it also uh, allowing you to uh, let your belly out too to expand the diaphragm and give you even more capacity. The diaphragm drops. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, cool. Before we get too far down the path, I wanted to <laughs> reiterate a couple of things that you said that I think are important. And one was that people should not hurt themselves <laughs> picking this up. <laughs> when they find pain or they find that they're tight, which is why they were going to do it in the first place, they shouldn't be trying to stop being tight in the first five minutes in the first session of doing this. You said it took you three years. To where you were, you felt like you had finally gotten to where you were supple. So take your time, uh, get some instruction, maybe a video that uh, presumably is now streaming as opposed to yes. on DVDs, since yes. nobody on the planet except for Glenn owns a DVD player anymore. <laughs> Old school. Old school. <laughs> anyway, sorry for interrupting. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that, that's a really good point, right? I mean, it, it just does take time, and and you're never going to undo five hours of riding on a bicycle with 30 minutes of yoga afterwards. I mean, it just isn't going to happen. Right? That's a good point. Um, that's a good point. 
And, you, and there's not enough hours in your life to undo all the time on the bike plus all the time you've been sitting and, and balancing it out, right? Because that's like 40-some, 80-some yeah. hours, depending on the person. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it, it takes time, but, but, and, but you can also be there, right? So for me, what my recommendation is, is especially, you know, in the off-season. Right. If, if you have it like right now is a perfect time. And here we are kind of September ish um, and going now, the season typically kind of finishes now for cyclists and triathletes. Triathletes go a little longer. But, um, you know, now's a great time to, to possibly go take a yoga class and go take it on your recovery day. Go do it on Monday. You know, if that's a recovery day, go do it then because then it's like, oh, you know, you're, you're still taking an hour, hour and a half, you're taking class, and you're using it for this time to, to, do, to recover. And for me, that was all I did when I started out was I just wanted to take a class every Monday night and just go to class. And, and I did that for like two years, just once a week. And it, it was that made a huge difference. And then I said, you know, wow, I should probably take some other different classes and I should go two different times a week or whatever. You know, all those different things I started doing it in a different way. So that's important to kind of think think about that, you know, because it really makes a difference from a perspective of um, your intention, right? So um, your intention right. is to make this so that, one, you recover. Two, you make your muscles more supple. You feel more ease in your body, right? We got to live in this body, Right. You know, hopefully we're going to live a really long time and three, increase our longevity so that we don't become the hunched over old men, old women, you know, that you see that can barely, you know, walk to the grocery store. I mean, I, I just don't want to be that person. You know, I want to be I want to walk just ooh, with energy and longevity and and keep my body in harmony with gravity. That's what I want to be when I'm 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's key that people say to themselves while they're doing this, that I'm doing this for recovery. So don't be trying, don't be competing with the people in the room on who can flex the most or do the most reps of whatever. It, you're doing it for recovery. This is why it does not detract from your workout routine. It adds to it. If you can recover a little better, you can do more training if that's what you wanted to do. Absolutely. That, and that's, and Joe, that's hard, right? We're competitors, right? And I guarantee you, Glenn and I, you put us on two yoga mats in the yoga room. <laughs> We're going to be like, I'm stretching more than you are. I'm doing it. <laughs> right? Right, right. Because, we're, you know, we're competitors. We love that. And and we love yeah, competition. Major backfire. But you're right. And, and I know you do too, Joe. So, and that's where you have to come in to say, you know, okay, number one, if you're a guy, you're never going to kick a woman's butt in yoga class. <laughs> you're not yeah. I don't care how good yeah. you are. <laughs> um, they're just more yeah. supple. They've got more flexibility, whatever. Yeah. But so go in there, just like you said, and say, you know what? I'm doing this to, to stretch, to open, to breathe, to recover. Yeah. I'll say it just for, so the person who's 
not done any work on their hips and has never been in a yoga class. And I've been, only been on one, so I'm no, I can barely spell yoga. So don't, I'm not talking about yoga per se, but talking about an athletic person who did not do work on hips. And when you try to do like a low squat, what they say, ass to the grass kind of a thing, and you don't have flexible hips, you're going to find that you had no idea how dysfunctional you were. And that is showing up. <laughs> in your athletics and in your spinal health. And that's going to be something you'll have to work through. And it takes time if you want to get really flexible in one day, well, then you're going to the hospital because that, <laughs> that you're going to injure yourself really badly. Yeah. 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 No, it is. It's just true. That was my warning. There you go. All right. <laughs> Alrighty, Glenn. Well, what else did you come up with Glenn? I don't know how old this DVD is, but um, or the streaming, whatever, um, is. But have you done any additional stuff? In particular, I ask that because I've discovered over the years that my psoas muscle is mm. really a big issue. And I haven't found very many good anything that does my psoas besides a percussion massager and these funky stretches and things. But are there particularly yoga poses that you recommend for psoas? Because um, I know when I'm racing on a bike sometimes and my back is killing me, I'll do a psoas stretch on the bike during a race and I can alleviate the back pain almost immediately. Nice. Nice. Well, so let's, let's define psoas, the psoas muscle for our listeners, because, um, it is a, <laughs> uh, a unique muscle in a unique place. So the psoas muscle is the, um, there are two of them and they're on the inner wall of your back. Okay. So you think of, okay, well, we got these, the quadratus lattice muscles, these big back muscles that you can touch. You can't touch your psoas muscle unless you put your hand through your gut and you kind of push all your guts out of the way and you get to them, right? If you're uh, if you're familiar with uh, cuts of meat, meat, they're called the tenderloins, okay? Um, that's the tenderloin. Um, but they oh, really? also, the psoas is the tenderloin? Yes, that's what a tenderloin is, yes. I didn't know that. I don't remember that. Is, that. Huh. Yep. That's the general one. <laughs> um, I, my name is Hunter, so I've been hunting for a long time. <laughs> we, great. we shoot deer and do all that fun stuff. But so we know where the tin one is. And actually, it's a really great anatomy lesson. Like, if you ever get a chance to, to see the psoas and see what it looks like, it's really, really unique because it is so supple. Because it is very, it's not really, it's used in a very different way than, than we use all the rest of our muscles. It's not something that you can make really tense. Now, you can, you can tense it more than other ones, and it can definitely, like you say, it can give you pain, and that's not fun because it supports the inside of the spine. So, again, it's on the inside that you can't touch on the back wall uh, back there. So, and it, not only that, it goes over a, a joint, okay? So, it goes over your, 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 your kind of your hip here. So, it's very unique. Um, and it's then because of that, it's hard to stretch. Um, it's hard to get to. The, um, the, the best pose that I know of is, um, and this is, this is the king of poses as a cyclist, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so if you only did one pose, so all listeners out there, if you want to just only do one pose, I don't recommend just doing one. You got to do at least 30 or 45 minutes of yoga to really kind of work there. 
But if you only did one, you do this one called the pigeon pose. And the pigeon pose is when you're down, um, you're, you're kind of facing the mat and you have your, let's say your right leg is, is bent at your knee and it's tucked underneath you and you roll on the hip. So you're working the outside of your leg first. Okay, So the, the outside of your leg, the piriformis muscle, which is wraps around and attaches to the back of your pelvis, goes all the way down your, your around your gluteal, down your leg. That one is the king because number one, your sciatic nerve, think of your sciatic nerve as five little nerves that attach on the back of your hip and the piriformis attaches in between them. And so when the piriformis muscle gets tight, it pulls on that nerve and it gives you sciatic pain. So if you've got oh. sciatic pain or have been diagnosed with sciatic pain or you've got numbness going down your leg, you mainly, there's other stuff that happens. Again, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a yoga guru, but mainly that means that you have a really tight piriformis muscle and you should do the pigeon pose. Now, that's the first stage of pigeon pose is when you tuck that leg underneath you and you stretch the outside of the gluteal. Then you push your body up and you open the chest and you kind of do this back bend with your legs underneath you, your, you know, the arms are here and you're doing this, that opens the front and gets into the, the, the psoas. Okay. So you've got to kind of get it inside and you can feel is it. Is this just a, like a part of the pigeon pose or is this another pose? It's a part of the pigeon pose. The pigeon pose is like kind of three. And so this is a part of the pigeon pose. Well, maybe what we can do is get some videos off YouTube and put those links in uh, in the show notes. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Why don't we just use Hunter's DVD? <laughs> well, yeah, if Hunter can share some links, then that'd be great. Yeah, shoppeaks.com. Yeah, so that's a really critical one because it works on both sides, Glenn, and that's like, you know, you got the piriformis that gets really tight. Our gluteals get so tight from bicycling um, because we're using them, right? I mean, there's 50 watts of power in your butt, right? I mean, you if you're not using your glutes, you are, you're not doing anything, um, you know? And so then we also have to balance it from this front side as well and the psoas muscle. So it, it's a it's an amazing place. Um, have you ever heard of Rolfing? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I have a, a, a person I used to work with, I thought she was a massage therapist, and she was a rolfer. And I was in so much pain, I was like, this is supposed to be fun. I thought massage was relaxing. And I was like screaming out in pain going, <laughs> ah, you're killing me. She, she'd laugh and go, uh -huh. but I'd leave that exercise. And I was like, wow. My whole body was opened up. It felt great. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. So, so rolfers, you know, they, they, they work deep in that you know, layer and they're the only ones, there are other deep tissue massage therapists who know where to get to the psoas, but they're trained in how to really start to get to the psoas. And it's really crazy. Like the first time uh, somebody actually touches your psoas, <laughs> it is the crazy thing because you've never been touched there. Yeah, You have never been touched there. And so all of a sudden somebody like moves all your guts out of the way and you look down and they're like, oh my God, their hand is inside my body, right? <laughs> and then they're like touching you and working on the psoas muscle. 
And it's like, whoa, I've never been touched there before. I've never even felt that. Like, you don't even know what it feels like. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's what lengthens. And that's what helps to, to open your hips. That's what helps to, to keep your upper body long, to pedal smoothly in, in alignment. So that's a great pose, a great, great question. Awesome. I wanted to ask you a question about flexibility. I, I mean, of course, I've been here in a yoga since I was a kid, and I always sort of thought of it as sort of like contortionism. In fact, there was a there's a guy down on Pearl Street Mall who who's a contortionist, and, <laughs> you know. And I, I've always thought, oh, he must be great at yoga. But I don't think you're talking about for cyclists that they ought to get as flexible as they possibly can. I think you're saying that they're probably not flexible enough. They're tight and they need to loosen up, but not become as flexible as they can. Am I right? What would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think that's, that's exactly the, 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 the thought process here is, is use this as a tool to one, make yourself a better cyclist, help your recovery, you know, give yourself some space in the joints. Okay. So think about it too. As, right, if, if we just think about our knees, right, I mean, we are so fortunate as cyclists, right? We can do this till we're in our 80s and 90s and 100s or however. One of the reasons is because we don't have that impact that, that runners have. But our knees and our hips are the ones that get stressed. And they get it really from repetitive, but they also get it because they're pulled tighter and tighter together because of the tendons, ligaments, and muscles pull them tighter and tighter together. So we want to create space in the, between the upper leg and the lower leg in the knee area to give it so that it can move freely so that we don't create a place where now we're just hitting this one spot for a million times, times 10 years. You know, it's, it's more openness. So we want more openness in our joints and that's really important, and, and a lot of people don't really get to that level unless or, or think about what they're trying to do until they're like, oh, wow, I've done five years of yoga. It's like, hey, just shortcut. Like, we just need to create space in these knees and space in the hips for yeah, stuff to yeah. move freely and be open. It seems like that, and I really have no idea. I've not even read anything in another area that suggests this, but I'll, it just seems logical to me. So I'm, I'm hoping you can speak to it, that this opening up, this idea of opening up means that you're not just not being as tight, but you're also maybe encouraging more flow of fluids in the body, bloods and other fluids, which are healing. Absolutely getting the waste materials away and bringing in the nutrients for repair and building. Is that true? Do you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, that's the huge part of it. And that's something that we all want to do, right? I mean, we want to get, you know, more of the waste products, all that stuff away from the muscles, away from our joints. We want to get more fresh oxygenated blood in there. I mean, absolutely. And that's one of the things, that's the benefit of, of getting a massage, right? That's the benefit of, of, yeah. of, of doing yoga. That's the benefit of breathing, right? Just breathing, getting more fresh oxygen into those muscles. Um, so yeah, absolutely. 
Awesome. That makes good sense. Thanks for confirming that. Sure. Uh, sure. I, I do have one more thing here. It looks like uh, Glenn is making some notes and he's about to launch with some really incredible <laughs> questions. But before, while he's getting ready for that, I wanted to ask you about balance. I mean, obviously, balance is one of the things that you can get from yoga. And, and I haven't seen your video, so I don't know whether balancing poses are a part of what you do. But one of the issues that people who don't really engage in sports, you know, ball sports and things like that, and they just, you know, they're like on a bicycle the whole time mm -hmm. um, where they're kind of locked in and it's kind of a, a one dimensional motion that they start to lose their proprioception there they lose their coordination their hand-eye coordination that that they start to lose it because they're not using it and mm -hmm. it would seem like you know in addition to this recovery and fluids move moving of fluids uh that also help with the recovery the the yoga could help with this proprioception balance just kind of being in better in tune in touch with how your body works. Is that yes. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's a, a tremendous number of balance poses that you can do just to enhance your balance. Um, and I think that those are, are, are you know, really good. I, I include a couple of those in my yoga video. Um, and that awesome. makes a big difference. You know, one of the things that you also have to think about, you know, as a cyclist or a triathlete is, um, and we don't necessarily think about this, but yoga brings this awareness to you is the um, idea of where you push through in your foot. Okay. So um, a lot of us push through on the ball of the foot. We, we, we pronate on the inside. That means pushing on the inside of your foot. Some of us push on the outside of our foot. That's called supinate. Um, but in, but what we really want to do is we want to push to the center of our foot. And the center of your foot, if you if you kind of look at your foot, it's actually, a, you know, think about the, the center from the toes all the way to the heel. Most people would, would say, oh, the center is a little far forward. But actually, where you think it is, come back about a half an inch or so. And that's probably more where the center of the foot is. It's behind the 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 metatarsals of the toes, you know, the joints of the toes, it's back there in the center. So it's, it's sort of between the, the arch and the ball of the foot, like in between you know, those. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. And so, um, when, when you, when you do some of these yoga poses, when you are balancing, you're one of the, 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 the things you're striving for is evenness in the foot. So that I feel the same weight on the toes. I feel the same weight on the outside of the foot. I feel the same weight in the heel. I feel the same weight in the arch. I feel the same weight in the center of the foot. So you're completely balanced in the foot. You're standing totally balanced. Um, that's really different than the way most of us stand. Um, we stand, you know, I lean into this hip or I stand this way or gosh, you know, my yeah. heels, you know, look at the bottom of your shoe, you know, like what, how you wear down your shoe, et cetera. Um, so right. when you find that balance, right, that's what keeps you, teaches you balance and, and helps you align with gravity, lengthening tall, getting strong and lengthening up. But then also taking that same 
feeling in the foot to the bicycle pedal stroke. So now I'm not just pushing on the ball of my foot, the outside of my foot. I'm pushing through the center of my foot. And so there's evenness in the force that flows through the leg, you know, knee all the way down into the foot. Um, that's a really one, you can produce more wattage that way. Okay. Two, you reduce injury that way in a big, big, um, you know, uh, it makes a huge difference from that perspective. So definitely. Great. That's, well, that sounds like an important That's so tip. interesting because um, I picked up speed skating about 10 years ago, uh, short track speed skating. And the thing that you're saying right now about how you put pressure onto the foot and onto the pedal, because if you're on the ice and you put pressure down too far on the toe or the heel, of course you fall. <laughs> so you have to have perfect balance on ice. But then you have to figure that in a corner, you're generating one, two, or three Gs. And so you accelerate the forces. You have to be perfectly balanced. And then you take that same pressure and you apply that to a bicycle and you generate more, literally more wattage essentially as a result by using proper technique. And so, you know, you watch people riding bikes and they're riding bikes and they're just so completely off. I mean, <laughs> it's almost funny because you can get away with stuff on a bike you couldn't get away with on ice, you know. And so right. I'm, I'm always correcting people and saying, well, no, 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 we should probably do it this way. You get more power and everything else. And now with power meters, you can actually see those numbers increase, which is quite unique. Right. Right, exactly. And you eliminate pain. I mean, so many cyclists ride around with their feet in pain and they're like, oh, this is part of cycling. I'm like, no, this is not part of cycling. You know, you need to have the proper shoe. You need to have the cleat where it needs, you know, proper for your foot um, to be able to push to the center of that foot to generate the most power because you're stacking bones, right? I mean, you know, we want to stack those bones on top of each other. And that's what you do in yoga when you're doing balance poses. You have to stack the bones. Otherwise, you fall over. <laughs> so true. Right. So true. It's good stuff. Now, I'm thinking about this. If we have people in our audience that have never done yoga before, and they think it's like like Joe watching those people in the corners up in Boulder, you know, that are all like contortionists, um, how would you how would you – I guess, encourage a person who's never done yoga, who may be a cyclist who's all tight and locked up like that old man that's like cobbled over and, you know, and crippled and stuff. How would you encourage them to get started in something like this? That's great. Great question. So first off, I would um, look for a class. I mean, you can certainly get a copy of my DVD. That's a great place to start, too, because it's, it's, it's easy. It breaks down the poses and it's simple and it's 40 minutes. So the, the copy of that on shoppeaks.com, that's easy. Um, but beyond that, plus it's I'm, also curated just for this purpose of a cyclist trying to recover better as exactly. opposed to what you go to a yoga class. You're not really sure what their what purpose mean? is right, and for right. what they're teaching. Right. And so that's where you do say, you know, I, I think it's, it is important to go to a class, get instruction, but you really want to make sure the class you're going to is not this hot class. And just the, the hot yoga, just again, it's just it's um, it's too aggressive. It's too it's too easy to get injured in those classes. Um, it's not a super flowing, fast class. If you're looking at what's called a, a Ashtanga AS. H-T-A-N-G-A, Ashtanga yoga class, that's also a little bit too much. Um, or even a vinyasa, uh, vinyasa means flowing, that's also a little too much. 
or if you say you look for one that says slow vinyasa um, or a slower, more relaxed class. And um, I, that's the class you really want, right? You want to go to a class where the instructor is, is, is moving through the poses at a slower pace, spending more time in the poses um, so that you can get a more recovery breathing type connection to the, the movement. Um, that's really good. The one, um, the, the style that I gravitated to the most that I really liked the most is called Iyengar. Uh, and I'm going to probably mess up the uh, spelling of it now. It's I Y N E G A R. I think that's right. It may have may have messed up the spelling there, but Iyengar and we'll, that we'll check that, that and a, get that in the show notes. That's a great class because it's slower you hold the poses for longer, um, and it is much more of this kind of recovery type um, pace. So definitely be very Good. careful about when you do do a go to a class. Check it out, see which ones are, and call the places. Say, you know, here's what I want, and they'll say, yeah, you know, Allison on Tuesday teaches that, you know, but nobody else teaches that or whatever. And is there anything like uh, beginner classes or, or yeah. you know, are there advanced classes where you really should stay out of those because bad yeah. things happen? Uh, you know, yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, people are standing on their head. Yeah, you know, the advanced classes. <laughs> standing on your head. <laughs> they're standing on your head. They're doing yoga specs. <laughs> they're doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's like, yeah, don't even think about that. Definitely beginner is the way to go. And, 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 you know, you might okay. just do beginner as a cyclist. You might, that's all you might ever do. You might only do beginner for, for, you know, I've been doing the beginner class for five years because <laughs> that's what okay. I want, right? I don't want to do yoga tricks. I don't want to be the contortionist. I don't want to be standing on my head and doing all that stuff. Um, so, yeah. Right. Hmm. All right. And, and no pain. No pain. No, if it, if it's hurting, no pain, then back off. And no ego. Let the ego at the door. You're not competing with your next door neighbor. On the no ego. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Well, all right. Well, what else do you have there, Glenn? That's good. No, we've covered a lot, a lot of stuff. A lot of cool stuff, too. Well, that's yeah. great. Well, so let me ask you, Hunter, is there something we didn't ask? <laughs> I mean, some page or door we didn't open that uh, you think we should uh, chat about? Um, you know, I think that I think we hit a lot of the, the, the highlights here. I think that um, number one, you know, it, it is something as an endurance athlete, you should incorporate into your training and you should consider it part of your training. Right. It's just part of me being a better athlete. I want to be a better athlete, whether you're a triathlete, a runner, a cyclist, a swimmer, whatever it is, um, that's that's important. And so I think that, that, that our listeners should know that that's the key part of it. Um, the other piece of it is that um, um, it doesn't take a lot, right? One time a week will make a difference, you know, after two or three months, right? Eventually you're probably going to want to do two times a week because you, you know, that whole adaptation phase, you're going to get adapted and you want to keep on improving a little bit more. And so there's more adaptation um, and so I think that, that, that those are really, really critical. And, and then just I really want you to I want everybody to understand that that we don't have to be 
this hunched over person, right? You don't have to be rounded cyclist dude with his neck all craned out like this. You know, I mean, I've seen some guys who've been racing for 50 years now and they're like permanent in this position and they walk around like this and you're just like, yikes. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to be that. I want to be tall, long, head of line. I don't want to have neck problems. I want to have spine problems. I want to make sure that everything flows through my body. Um, and, And yoga makes a huge difference from that perspective. But it's probably never too late. If you're that guy, <laughs> then start. Get some yoga. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. Awesome. Well, that's fabulous. Thank you. Thank you again, uh, Glenn. Good question, sir. And Hunter, it's amazing that you're an expert in uh, two totally different areas. Uh, I guess it comes from a lifetime in a in a, in a sport where you've, had to explore and invent things for yourself. You've had to become good at it. Hmm. There you go. There you go. It's all in the pursuit of excellence. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll get some of those um, names checked out and links checked out, and we'll get all that stuff into the show notes. And and, and Hunter, the, uh, the ac- availability of your video is through your website. Yeah, yeah. You, you can go uh, Peaks Coaching Group is my coaching website. Um, or you can go straight, if you want just the yoga DVD, you can go straight to the, my store, which is shoppeaks.com, shoppeaks.com. And uh, I've got it in there. And it's a streaming thing. You can just download it and stream it right on your laptop. And, and, and that's very easy. Uh, I don't even think I have any DVDs for sale anymore. Um, so, uh, but yeah. It's- <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you have a good one. Thanks it's again. It's so great to have you on board. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening in to our discussion with Hunter Allen about how to use yoga to get faster on your bike. And thanks to Hunter for taking some more time to share his expertise. And if you go to wiseathletes.com, you can find more information about Hunter in the show notes. And while you're there, you can sign up to take a free fitness practices assessment, send us a question to address on the podcast, see all of our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you were on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That'd be a great help. Thanks again.